Hey, good morning, Sycamore View. Uh, for all of you who are joining us this morning in person and for those of you joining us online, we are thrilled that you are with us. And we have a surprise today because we got a friend who is joining me, joining us this morning, Eric Wilson. Eric, what's up, man? It's you, man. Happy birthday, dude. How you doing? Well, this is the first time Sycamore View has heard from a 40-year-old preacher. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I can't believe it, man. I I hit 40 yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, you you and I are about a decade apart. Any advice you would give me for being 40? Yeah, dude. I I, I think the the cool thing about crossing that line into 40 is uh, at at the point that your thoughts start really connecting and coming together, your body starts falling apart. <laughs> Dude, you, you wake up and it's sort of like, oh, okay, so my arm is hurting today. All right, but I'm brilliant. You know, it's like you you are connecting dots. You are figuring stuff out. It's just, you know, you, you can't run, you know, as quickly as you used to. Well, man, I will take that. I think I'll take that as a word of hope somehow. But Maybe. Hey. I don't know. <laughs> Well, for people, a lot of folks right now, they know who you are. They remember yeah. you from your time here in Memphis. Uh, for those who may not know, either because you're new to Sycamore View sure. or you're tuning in from somewhere throughout the United States or the world, Eric was on staff here for a little over four years. Um, one of my the, one of my favorite people on the planet, not just because I got to work with you, uh, but man, I, here's a few things I love. I love that you're a preacher, a poet, an author, an amazing husband, a father, a great friend. You still have a Memphis cell phone number. Yes. And Eric uh, moved from Memphis to Malibu, where you worked at Pepperdine for a while. But now you've transitioned into a preaching role at the church and meets there on Pepperdine's campus in Malibu. So you and I, we're going to go deep today. We're going to talk about Ezekiel 47. Yes. You're going to have a chance to speak into our vision and our core values. But just for a moment, because so many people right now who are watching, they love you and your family. Just let us know, man. How how's it going? How are you guys well, doing? You, you know, and I and I love them too. I um, they I, I've had the fortune of working at um, three uh, great churches, where um, I've fallen in love with people there, and uh, you and Casey and the boys most certainly. Um, it's just a joy to to get a chance to do life with you, man. And and you you bless my life uh, even when we're not connecting. But then with the elders and the shepherds and and um, uh, church members there, uh, thank you for the opportunity that I get a chance to in some way speak some love into who uh, they are. We doing good, man. I, I'm, I'm three weeks, four weeks into this new uh, job as a uh, lead minister at a University uh, Church of Christ that, that meets here on the campus of Pepperdine University. Family's doing well. Sharita is a professor here and is just loving it. Kanan's in at Lipscomb in Nashville doing his thing. And Jordan is finishing up his senior year in high school. Uh, here in Malibu and doing good, man. Um, I think you, uh, of course, you know, and, and several uh, members know I had a, a health scare uh, in June um, that literally sent me into the hospital nearing a, 
a diabetic coma and three months later, man, I'm feeling better than I have in 20, 30 years, man. I, I, um, I, while I would never want to go through that again, um, I'm so grateful that, that God walked me through it. And so, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm managing my diabetes mostly with, uh, diet and exercise and, um, uh, just a little bit of insulin uh, before I go to bed. So God is faithful, man. Yeah. Well, man, uh, you shot me and Patrick Parson a text. Uh, and this was a couple months ago when you said, hey, uh, just want you guys know I'm diabetic. I've been in the hospital for a few days. Patrick and I shot each other a text without you saying, you think Eric, is he out of his mind right now? So <laughs> I call Sharita. I was like, before I respond to this dude, I just need to know, like, is this, is this really happening? And Sharita was like, yeah, it's happening. And man, just cause COVID y'all weren't able to right. see in the hospital, but man, I am so thankful just for, even before we started recording for you to tell me it's the best you have felt in a long time, yeah. man, just to see a smile on your face, the joy of the Lord on you. And oh. um, I'm grateful for how the grace of God has sustained you, man. Such a blessing. Hey, man. I God is faithful, y'all. And here's the thing. I've allowed people to help me before, um, but it was also always in the back of my mind, like, well, I could do this myself, but I'm going to do the right thing and have people help me. I was at a point where it was like, no, I need people to help me because I can't help myself. And it was so wonderfully humbling and gave me a perspective. And then when I got a chance to move into this role uh, in, in ministry, um, it, it just, it, everything happened at the right time for me to do what God has called me to do in this time, in this space. So I'm, I'm grateful. Man, I am too. Well, Eric, let's back up a moment because you came here as a minister back in 2011. Yep. And it was around that same time that you and I along with some other leaders, but you and I kind of led the effort to uh, craft a new vision for our church that carried us for a number of years. We yeah. launched the vision restoration back in 2012. You and I had hours, countless conversations about restoring hearts, uh, relationships and communities throughout the world. So you've been on a journey with this church as we've processed, cultivated, launched, implemented vision. And now, we, uh, you're, you're aware, I mean, back in May of this year, we, uh, we approved it back in March. We went public in May yeah. with the vision that's uh, the centers around the word awakening. The first mm. vision statement is that the Sycamore View Church exists to awaken people to the greatness of Jesus. And part of that is we launched eight core values that are meant to, this is what God's heart beats for. And we want these values to cultivate our behavior, to generate passion and, and that this is who we are in the process of becoming. So yep. you've looked at our vision. We've talked about it. You've looked at our eight core values. We've talked about those. Man, what would you say to our church, whether it's a word of affirmation or a word of uh, just a, a challenging word, as right. we need to live into this idea of awakening and our values? Right, okay. But first, when you, when you mentioned our process, do you remember that time you made me cry? while we were praying through it because y'all, um, we were talking about this vision that would carry us to 2020. You remember that? And you said, could you imagine 
in 2020 and your son is gonna be in college by then. And I was like, oh, just, you, you know, how important it is to look forward in a time to, to envision who you will become, which is, it, it's, it's just brilliant. Um, uh, scripture talks about, you know, my, my people are destroyed because of a lack of vision. And I think that's what it is, because if you can see ahead of yourself or if you could envision ahead, then you have something to live into. But if you don't have anything to live into, you start being uh, start uh, being led by circumstances, not intention. And that's the beauty of what you all are doing right now, because those core values, which I love, is this is who you are, right? right. This, this is who you all are and who you all have committed yourself to be. And the very moment that you do that, a vision of the church, a vision of individuals that make up that community starts living itself out and you start living into that. And, and the, the real beauty of it is this, this notion of awakening. Um, and I know you and I have had conversations about this and I've heard you preach it and I, I've preached about this uh, several times, but I think there's a reason that there were so many um, miracles of sight in, uh, in, in Jesus's life. Because underneath the miracle is an idea that I call spiritual acuity, right? Can my vision be shifted and changed enough to where I can see the world as it is and I can see myself as I am, right? right. So, so that one, it's a, it's a vision, but then the vision of awakening is I can wake up to who I am. You as a community can wake up to oneself and to wake up to what God is doing in the world and it has something to do about discipleship and connection and loving the marginalized and serving people in, in really unique ways. That, that's, that's, that's brilliant. And so I want you all to really lean into it because there's life there, right? Uh, I, I was um, thinking about you all's uh, core values and, and even this passage in Ezekiel and it reminded me of this uh, African-American folklore, the, uh, the people could fly. Have you seen that? It's a children's story about uh, this little girl that's um, just being grinded down in the uh, institution of uh, chattel slavery here in America. And an angel comes to her and whispers in her ear, you can fly. This is who you are. And she started having a vision of herself being able to fly. So then she takes off flying above the plantation, above the, the, the troubles and, and all of those things. And when other people see her flying, they remember who they are and they start sprouting wings and they start flying. And this is what I think is gonna happen with you all or already happening with you all um, is, is that when you all see people waking up to themselves, other people gonna wake up to themselves. And they're gonna start owning who they are, and it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. 
Man, I appreciate that. I, you know, I had forgotten about that story. In fact, I think you're the one who told me that a while back. I mean, mm-hmm. thank for, just thanks for your partnership and the prayers that you and Sharita continually offer up for our church. So, man, let's let's dive into Ezekiel 47. This sure. Is a, a text is kind of formed us a little bit. Uh, uh, as, as challenging as it can be to have a, a text you anchor in during COVID, but we, we I preached this back in in June. Our staff has used this when we think about awakening. Because when you think about, and you and I laughed about this yesterday, when you think about visions that happen in the book of Ezekiel, you think about the Valley of Dry Bones. Right. This shows up in Jewish literature, Christian literature. It's recited. It's referred to a lot of songs about it. Yeah, man. Songs today. So many songs are about dry bones coming to life. Most people don't know about this vision in Ezekiel 47. Right. Right. So, let me just point out a few little nuggets. And if you, uh, I invite everybody, open your Bibles right now to Ezekiel chapter 47. The first 12 verses are it's this vision that God gives Ezekiel. Let me just point out a few things, and Eric, then I'm going to let you go. And I just hey. want you to preach this, point out some things. But, you know, in this vision, it starts in the temple. Yes. A small trickle, like some, I just mm. imagine a drip from a faucet, something really right. small. And then Ezekiel is told to hold on to a cord or hold on to a rope because the water then becomes ankle deep, knee yes. deep, neck deep. And then there's this rushing water, a rushing river that starts from the temple, something so small. Yes. And he's holding on to this rope so he doesn't get, so he doesn't drown. So in the vision, this rushing river flows from the temple of God east yes. all the way to the sea of stagnant waters, which is the Dead Sea, where yes. nothing lives there. It hadn't for thousands of years, the Dead Sea. I floated in this a couple of years ago. There's no fish. There's no vegetation. Right. And and in the vision is what God's going to do to stagnant waters is God's going to make it fresh. It's going to be water. The the end of the vision is there's fruit. The banks are filled with trees and fruit and vegetation and life. So what started so small in the temple, this rushing river that blesses the entire world. Yes. All right. So I, dude, I told you, man, I've read the Bible. I don't know how many times in my life. Right. There are times where you read a story like this and you're like, where have you been my whole life? Like, how, have I not seen you? Yes. Or, and maybe I wasn't ready to receive it. I don't know. Right. And you kind of said the same thing yesterday. But, man, with that said, how this mm. vision awakens people and not just a person. This is for an entire group of people. This is the right. people of God and all creation. Yes. Dude, if you had to preach this or right now, you just want to highlight a few things. Yeah. What would you do with this vision? Uh, dude, it's, it's, it's just too good. It's just so much there. I think that uh, I would probably um, entitle the message um, Visioning Fishing in the Desert, right? Because um, it's just so powerful because eventually in the text, it starts talking about how people are, it, well, I think the thing that struck me immediately was when the water starts flowing, right? It, it starts as a trickle. And then as he's measuring the temple, the water's rising, right? I mean, visually, that is stunning. He is measuring the temple. And, and by the way, what was incredible is um, this temple is larger 
than the Temple of Solomon, right? You know, because uh, the Temple of Solomon, the largest measurement was like 60 cubits. And he starts measuring a thousand cubits on each side. So all of a sudden, it, we got an expanded temple. But we not only have an expanded temple, but we got expanding water, right? And so it starts, and, and then in the text, it, start, it says, and the water flowed to the Engedi. And I'm like, wait a minute. The Engedi is, is, is desert, it's dry land, and there's gonna be fishing there. And it sounds like that's impossible, right? Except if it's, the, if it's God and the people of God, right? right. And so I, I guess I would, I would entitle it, you know, seeing yourself fishing in the desert. Because I, I ain't throwing a line in, in, in a pond of water in a long time, but what I remember is if you're going to go fishing, you need some water. <laughs> and the water begins e e expanding. So, okay, so th there, there is this, this thing about hope there. And there's this thing, and I love the poetry of it, um, where the water goes, there is life. Mm. Whew. Oh, we we could just stop there because there's your there's your explanation for the essential nature of baptism, right? I mean, where the water goes, there is life. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, and so we got this image of of hope. We got this image of an expanded temple and an expanded water. And all throughout the, 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 the Ezekiel's guide is saying, do you see this, right? Mm. Do, do you see it? Can you envision it? Not only for Israel, mm -hmm. because once we get to the end of Ezekiel, what we got are these three moments that are climaxing to all out hope, which is hope for Israel, hope for all nations, and then hope for all creation. Man, that, that is, and that's why the water is constantly expanding to the degree that it's life and life to the full. So all of this is envisioning two things in our future. One, Jesus Christ. And the second thing is the kingdom breaking out in the world. Because right, because all of this, all, all of the words in this chapter are reflected again in Revelation 22, mm -hmm. right? You know, it, it, there, there's, there's a body of water. There's a tree that, that is um, expanding and, and, and bears fruit every month. And, and the leaves are for the healing of the people. And, and that tree is on both sides of the river and God is there and it's flowing from the throne of God. Man, that is, that is just some, some powerful, powerful imagery. And this is who we are. We are the people who envision in ourselves the capacity to be like Christ for a dying world. Mm -hmm. And our first step is, can we vision ourselves being that? Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm into uh, Walter Brueggemann. And uh, I was at a, a conference last year um, bef when we could travel. You remember those, uh, the, those old days? And I was in D.C. and Walter Brueggemann in, in his uh, 80s and sickly had more fire in his belly for the gospel than either one of us, man, at, at the ages we are. And he was like hitting it and he was talking about the totalism. And it, it is these empirical thoughts that are pervasive through everything that we do that seeks to make us consumers or to make us numb to ourselves. And it is the principalities in high places, right? It's the narratives, the stories that shape our lives and distort our hearts away from Christ. Okay, this image of Ezekiel is trying to disrupt that. You all's vision is trying to disrupt that, to remind each other who you are. This is who we are. And, and that's the beauty of the text because the image is a temple with water flowing from it. So that envisions three things. It first starts with each individual that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and with small moments, it can become a large movement, right? Small moments become large movements. Then you got the church itself as the temple of God, as the as a holder in the container of the Holy Spirit. And, and small moments make huge movements, right? And then the kingdom of God is the same thing. It is where God dwells, where the slain lamb of God is, who has taken away the sins of the world. And from that place, small movements, small moments become huge movements. Now, now, lastly, and, and, I, and I know I'm rambling, so forgive me, but I, I, I love this text so much. Jesus, God does something really incredible. He says, I'm going to let this water go all the way to the Dead Sea, but I'm going to leave some of it salty because you all will always need a preservative, mm -hmm. something that holds and binds and holds us together. So I'm gonna give you the water. I'm gonna give you the life. I'm gonna make the impossible possible, but I'm always going to keep a preservative for you, something that will always maintain the expansion of life. Come on now. Somebody gotta give me a hard yes on that one because dude, there's so many things out there that is, are attempting to destroy our lives. And God says, I'm going to give you everything you need, including the preservative, mm. to allow you to live. And that's a, that's a powerful, powerful text. Yeah. So you, you, you got an expanded temple and an expansion of water. And where the water goes, there is life and there's a preservative that's there and it makes the impossible possible yeah well and this was good news for people who were experiencing exile 
right in the book of Ezekiel who were looking for good news because they were aware of their own rebellion right how far they were from God and this is the vision of restoration that at the very end of the book that God is on the move God is yes. doing something new God is not going to forsake his people and I also love how it's not a trickle that starts in the desert that turns yes. into a rushing river that yes. flows to the temple yes starts in the temple and it flows to bless the world that we the people of god are not just sitting still waiting for the rivers of god to come to us right but we are part of the rivers of god that's <laughs> flowing to, to bless the entire world so yes. and let, me, let me end in uh just a couple of minutes eric um how is this good news for a church and a people living in the time we're living right now, we're 26 weeks. Most of us are 26 weeks into COVID. We're, we're now moving into a heated political season. There's economic downturn. There's yeah. racial and social uh, injustice and tension and strife. And all of us are off a little bit. So how is this good news for our time right now? Mm. That's a good question. Well, in a way, Ezekiel itself is the good news for our time, right? Because if you remember at the beginning of Ezekiel, God sees, uh, uh, Ezekiel sees God, but sees God in Babylon. Sees God in a place where God ain't supposed to be, right? In a place where you wouldn't expect to see God. And this time of self-quarantine, a pandemic of racial unrest, of political upheaval, of economic downturn, that's where, in the exile is where you see God. That's what, that's the, that's, that is the blessing of Ezekiel is you can see God. If you got this spiritual acuity, you can see God in places you wouldn't expect God to be. And if it once again, if you have eyes to see, if you have ears to hear, if you have a vision to live into, and this is what you have. But hear, hear me, everybody. The, the way that we live into these times of great difficulty is hope. We can't fish in the desert. Mm -hmm. We, 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 we can see God in the dark times, but we have to be able to own this as our truth. The, the, we, we are the people of God. God, God is still the Messiah. God, God is still enthroned and God has always been enthroned and God will always be enthroned. And if we can own our status as the transformed people of God and start living that way, behaving as if we are transformed, we're living beyond the division of left or right, conservative or liberal or progressive, of mask wearers or not mask wearers, of, of rich or poor, because who we are by our very nature is bigger than any label. And if we begin living that way, 
we rise just like that water. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I hope all of you will just go back. I hope you'll listen to this whole message, share it with friends, but especially in the last two to three minutes, Eric, that was, that was so rich. Mm. It reminds me that in Ezekiel in chapter nine through 11, it's one of the saddest moments in the entire Bible where God yes. says, I'm done with you. I'm done with you anymore. Yet the book of Ezekiel ends. The very last phrase is God saying, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. I'm with, I'm with the people and yeah. where God is restorations on its way. It's happening. Hey. Where the water is, there is life. Water is, there is life. I love that. Hey, Eric, why don't we end, man? Will you pray just over our church and all the other people who are who are in this moment with us today? Will you pray over us? Oh, it'd be my honor. Uh, let's go to God. Holy Father, Creator God, Oh, holy, open wound of love. We come to you right now and we lay ourselves prostrate before you. We stretch ourselves out before you because you are a God and you are a faithful God and you are a mighty God and you are a God that's willing and able and powerful to save. We, we, we worship you, dear God, as all knowing and all seeing and, and, and never changing. And, and, and holy and pure and just, full of mercy and full of grace. And that's what we need right now, dear God. We need your mercy, we need your grace. We need that river to trickle from our hearts and expand beyond the borders of our church building and beyond the borders of our cities and states, dear God. May your water flow and, and we affirm together that where the water is, there is life. Oh God, heal and help everybody right now at Sycamore View that's dealing with economic downturn and, and fears of sickness. Heal in the name of Christ Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen in the name of Christ Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Restore, dear God, in the name of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And dear God, when they reach the, 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 this, this status of who they become through these core values, when they awaken to themselves, I pray that they have the wisdom and the humility to give you all the glory and all the praise for your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.